0: Blog Talk Radio Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.
1: This is TJ Morris, and you're listening to ET Radio, our TJ Morris ET Radio. And we like to share our thoughts and awareness of the UFO Association and what we're creating together as co creators. And on Tuesdays, I like to share with Jan Aldrich, and he's written books and has a website called Project 1947. And last week I missed, but this week it's the last day of the year. We've had holidays, so we're going to see if we can get him and call him as soon as I figure out what his phone number is. And I talked to Jean at Carolesson of Hawaii. She may be coming on. Let's see. To celebrate the final day, Happy New Year to everybody, uh, at least here in America. We're celebrating today. And tonight the pelican in Pensacola will drop. (laughs) I just found out today I had no knowledge of that, even though I'm prior military. No, not Jan Harzan. Whoops, sorry, Jan. I hope you didn't get it wrong. calling it. I need Jan. Uh, there's too many Jans in my life. I'm a Jan, too, by the way. Jan Thurmond. Uh go by Jan. Well, Teresa J. Morris now. Jan Aldrich. Oh, why is Jan Aldrich's picture it's not loaded on my phone? Let me see if I can, I've got to get his number off my phone to put, it doesn't save it on the studio, call, let's get him, okay, now I can call him, call ended, so why is that 860, let me try again, and uh, we're going to talk about anything to do with UFOs, call ended. What is going on here? All right, let me try here. Let's see. He lives in Connecticut. I'll try him online. 860. Let's see. Huh. View contact. Well, this is interesting. Let me try on the other phone or try to find my book verify the phone number. I apologize for getting started slow today. It's oh that one's of course is out of uh juice. But uh I'm trying my best to maintain uh information in archive purposes on the internet and I call my company American Communications Online and of course I don't see my book. Great. And uh Janet had just called, and uh, she's not here yet either, so my book, well, I'm going to have to unplug this phone to help get this phone number on here. Jan, if you can hear me, can you just call in? Let me see, contacts, recents, Jan Aldrich, maybe I can message him, Uh this is so embarrassing. It's time of the year where my head's just blank. Does anyone else get like that sometimes? In the UFO business, we're doing our best to uh, celebrate the fact that we're carrying on the work that J. Allen Hynek started himself with the Center for UFO Studies and uh, Jan Aldrich, Barry Greenwood, and many other people that's names we'd like to mention, and we're doing so on this show. And um, we're doing what we can to uh, historically archive the names of people. Jan Aldrich Call. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) 544. Let's see. It's so embarrassing. I'm about to choke to death. I've got one too many numbers. Six, nine. <laughs> I don't know which one's right. Five, four. I'm going to try this. Nine, one, three. <clears throat> Let me see if I can get him. It's just dialing. Can't hear myself, I've got my see if we can hear him. This is the right number been known to this number may not be right, probably in my other phone properly. This one's not answering, so. <coughs>
0: Hello.
1: Jan or Susan Aldrich. Oh, it is Cats take your call now. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press pound for further options. Hi, Jan. I did get your number right, and I apologize. Uh... For missing you, uh, Skype phone, 860 number is the one I called, and uh, it's Tuesday, so maybe you're off today, uh, or I got you late, but I'll try one more time, all right, I know I sent you a message, so maybe you're off until next Tuesday, all right, well, Happy New Year, and I'll try one more time on the air to get you, all right, all right, and then otherwise, I guess we'll talk next Tuesday, all right, thank you, we left a message. All right, how do we get off of here now? Let's see, I can't hang this up. So I'll try to hang this up. (laughs) Okay, so I can fix this phone while I'm on here. Edit. Okay, so what I did was I entered over. Let me fix this. Edit. And everybody with me? He's one of our OCO investigators. Five, four... Okay, let's see if we can fix this number. Take one number. Okay, now that's right. Okay. Save. Ah! All right. Well, uh, maybe he's not there today. <clears throat> so he may be gone, but I'll try one more time. Let's see here. Dial. Dial dial. They have to delete today's show. And it's okay because it's 1231 and maybe he didn't feel like archiving today. I had Hello? sent him a message about last week. Hi, is Jan Aldrich there by chance?
2: I'm sorry he's not here right now.
1: Oh, okay. I, I had sent him a message for last week uh, to not do a show. So uh, maybe he thought we were off today too, Tuesdays, right? So, yeah, is this his sister?
2: Um, yeah, he must have assumed that because he just, he just left and he's going to pick
1: up dinner, so he won't be back for another, you know, at least 20 minutes to a half an hour. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's okay. Uh, I'll call somebody else, and then if he wants to call in, we missed last week. So, okay. uh, but yeah, just tell him yeah, the, the number is 347 uh nine four five seven two oh seven. I wonder please. if he's got it written down. I'll just call him back. You want me to call him back? Yeah, could you please? Sure. Yeah, tell him TJ and we were live on the air. And your name is? Uh, My name is Susan. What is your name? Susan. Yeah, Susan. Okay. All right, Susan. Well, uh, just tell him that uh, we've got the UFO Association. I missed last Tuesday, but he may have thought it was for this Tuesday. I'm not sure. I may have confused him. You know how sometimes you read messages and Facebook and don't know which Tuesday it is. All right. Well, tell him we're on air if he wants to call in. Uh, Okay. I'll I'll try to call him back. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. So we'll call back. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. All right. Well, I've got to set this. Well, I can't set this down. I've got phones everywhere. All right. Let's see here. Have I got that phone number fixed? Yes. Okay. Well, folks, normally it's just the holidays. It's the end of the year. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what I should do with this. Let's see. Janet. Let me see if Janet. Janet just called me, so let me see if I can get her back on here. Let's see. see if she wants to call in. No, she's got hers on. I should have let her talk. She was on this phone. Well, um, I won't be able to reset this because I've already set the show up today, interestingly enough. So I guess I could uh, talk for a while about how I met J. Allen Hynek uh, in an airplane. And he was the uh, director for the Center of UFO Studies. And I don't know if Gene – of Hawaii is going to come on here or not, but if you can hear me and you want to call in, just let me know. So, let me look up the history of the Center for UFO Studies. And most of you know who, if you're in the UFO business, you know who J. Allen Honig is or was. But the Center for UFO Studies, now <clears throat> that was actually started by. Uh, well, it says it's a private funded UFO research group. The group was founded in 1970. My goodness, my glasses are getting bad. 19 my eyes 70 something. 73 by Dr. well, it says J Allen Heinick who at the time was chair of the department of astronomy at Northwestern University in Illinois. Well, that explains probably why I met him flying into Chicago O'Hare. So founded in 1973, headquarters is Chicago, Illinois. Key person, J. Allen Hynek type of business. It was a nonprofit organization. Now the Center for UFO Studies, UFO Education Research, has still has a website. The names come up is Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and Mark Rodiger has been president and scientific director, and um, they've got books general and books advanced, so I'm going to click on their website, being that G has gone out for their dinner tonight. They're an hour ahead of us. Most of us people are from tradition, eat between 5 and 7, and it's only 3.16 here, so I'm between lunch and dinner. But the Center for UFO Studies is our uh, main theme with uh, J. Eilen uh being that the Center for UFO Studies, we call it CUFO, C U F O S. It's an international group of scientists, academics, investigators, and volunteers dedicated to the continuing examination and analysis of the UFO phenomenon. Now, our purpose is to promote serious scientific interest in UFOs and their study. <coughs> excuse me and to serve as an archive for reports documents and publications about the ufo phenomenon we have provided an extension and <clears throat> with the ufo association so those of us that do this as volunteers can continue sharing names that have since passed over Including J. Allen Hynek Who had set up uh, extensive sets of resources on this site And to help learn about the UFO phenomenon From the beginning of when we started collecting But also for beginners that are truth seekers And those seeking more in-depth information Now if you'd still like to become involved We're going to do our best to help keep up the uh, CUFOs.org C-U-F-O-S uh, does not have members, but you can become involved in our work. So we encourage you to become involved in CUFO's activities, which can include archival work, assistance with our UFO CAT database, historical case research, current research, and both the physical and social sciences on various types of UFO reports, our statistical analysis of s- citing data. And to volunteer your assistant, you can contact us at the InfoCenter at Cufos.org, and that is Cufos.org. For more information about the Center for UFO Studies, you can find on these pages. And we have P.O. Box 31335, Chicago, Illinois, 60631. And you can contact through 773 two seven one thirty six eleven. And there's just a bare bone minimum people that are still on the planet that are doing their best to keep uh, something going in Chicago. And uh, if you'd like to donate, I'm going to hit the donate button. It says the Center for UFO Studies welcomes cash donations to further our mission statement. Direct cash donations or purchases of coupons materials over the purchase value may entitle the donation to be used as a charitable deduction with your federal taxes. So the deductible portion of a non-cash charitable gift is the difference of a gift among minus the fair market value or the cost of any goods and services the donor received in exchange for the gift. However, to use a donation... The donor must itemize their tax return, so you must file Form 8283, <laughs> and the amount of your deduction for all non-cash gifts is more than $500. <clears throat> so, if return your vol- in return, your voluntary donation, you'll receive a letter containing the following information about your donation for the IRS for all gifts more than $500: name of organization, the amount of cash contribution, the description of non-cash contribution, uh, but not the value. Statement that no goods or services were provided by the organization in return for the contribution, if that's what your case is. And your description and good faith estimate of the value of the goods or services of any that an organization provides in return for the contribution. And then the statement that goods or services of any that are organized, provide in return for the contribution consisted entirely of intangible benefits. All or part of your gift may be texted. deductible as a charitable contribution. And it says you should really check with your text advisor. But the reason is uh, the CUFOS has for years and years dedicated lots of uh, room and space uh, to keep physical documents. And now... Uh, It says donate to J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies. And the purpose is CUFO's donation. And then uh, you can donate with PayPal. And uh, that's J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies on PayPal. And uh, there's only a minimum of a dollar it costs us to go through PayPal. They get a percentage. But the uh, gentleman Jan has Project 1947. So I'm going to go over there, but you can look up CUFO, CUFOs.org, Center for UFO Studies, the Center of UFO Studies in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, right now, there's been some great, wonderful people that we've been trying to document that they've had their homes and their time for years and years dedicated to keeping the Center for UFO Studies in Chicago alive and well on planet earth so jay i mean jan aldrich is in a group and it's by invitation only and what they do is archive and pretty much know who each other is and jan has directed many of the people as the founder and coordinator of project 1947 as founder and coordinator, and assisted researcher Tom Tulian of the Sign Oral History Project, S-I-G-N. And he recently returned from two extensive research trips to gather documents and information uh, to be preserved and shared by future generations of researchers, because we hope this will continue and that all this is for a reason, because (laughs) it's not always been... Uh, exactly, well known, are accepted that UFOs are real, or that alien civilizations exist. So, this research researchers and historians that now work together, uh, a lot of them know each other, and a lot of them don't because we're now, thanks to the internet, we're growing ufology. And <clears throat> Jan's account of his recent research trips and his detailed methods of cataloging and ensuring the survival of valuable historical records can be read on Project 1947. That's the year pretty much people, we had coupos and things, but 1947 is a benchmark with uh, UFOs, flying saucers, and uh, the government and Central Intelligence Agency being formed. But uh, he was asked to start, and he has been helping us document why, he was involved with Project 1947 and CUFOs and why he was there with Barry Greenwood. And we started doing oral reports. And there's many radio shows in the UFO business now in our community. And we all work together to do our best to uh, substantiate claims, uh, clippings, newspaper reports, and uh, eyewitnesses and uh Documents and we preserve the information as archivists and historians. And so Jan has uh, an inquiry in the beginning of the UFO area era. E R A. I have Era Cop C O P. And uh, UFO Association Organization. And uh, I'm Teresa J Morris, and I've been paying for years for all these websites since 2004. And uh, Helped put information, data in the in the uh, internet um, at that time as Ace folk life and as a historian and archivist, and then I began writing for UFO Digest in August 2007 with uh, Dirk Vanderplug, who's passed in Canada, and now Robert Morningstar out of New York, and he works with me on Revolution Radio, and. Uh, Now we're working together uh, as ufologists, and uh, not everybody has time to do this type of work or desire, but we're pretty much learning who each other is. Now there was the Foo Fighters, and Andy Roberts examined the history of the Foo Fighter phenomenon. And we have World War II document research, and uh, then Joe Chamberlain's American Legion magazine article, The Foo Fighter Mystery, published in December '45. That was an extensive article about Foo Fighters, and uh, then we go on to Joe Thompson and the Foo Fighters, and um, there was a mission over the Rhine Valley in 1944, USA Air Force pilot Joe Thompson experienced a Foo Fighter, and, and there was an article in 1966 where he recalls his sighting. In Marky Child's 46th column, Washington Calling, described reports of unidentified flying bombs that were the precursor to the ghost rocket phenomenon. And then uh, the ghost rockets increased, even in the U.S. Army journals, uh that uh, Russian secret weapons, Colonel C.H. Lanza, U.S. Army Retired, considered whether these reports were propaganda or Russian secret weapon testing. Now, Robert Wood of Aviation News ponders reports of sightings and censorships about the 1946 ghost rocket wave in his editorial, Russian Hail, H-A-I-L. Now, we have articles from Brazilian researcher Dr. Olavo T. Fontes and he is uh, exploring the research why the Air Force is just as puzzled as we are about the saucers. So during the last three weeks of October 1954 in Brazil, uh, they experienced unprecedented waves of flying saucer sightings culminating into two UFOs being seen by over 100 witnesses over Gravate Air Force Base. Dr. For- Fontes, Detailed the events of the encounters and reports, like witness accounts, in his article, The Brazilian Flying Saucer Review. So, after those UFO sightings over the Gravate or Gravitate, I don't know how you say that proper, Gravitate Air Force Base, which was witnessed by many military and service personnel, the Brazilian Air Force Base, FAB, held a press conference announcing that the flying saucers are are real. So a review of the 1966 Brazilian UFO flap and the report from Brazil took place and collection of historical important magazine articles began uh, from 45 on, the American Legion magazine, December 45, about the Foo Fighters, Saturday Evening Post, Post, April 30, 49, What You Can Believe about Flying Saucers, Saturday Evening Post, 49, What You Can Believe, Part 2, True Magazine, 1950, Flying Saucers Are Real, and uh, let's see, The Flying Saucers Factor Fiction, fiction Flying Magazine, July 5th, 1950, all oh, that's before I was born, and then Flight 117 and The Flying Saucer, August 1950, Cosmopolitan Magazine, January 1951, The Disgraceful Flying Saucer <laughs> boy, were they covering it at. Now in uh, Flying Magazine 51 There's Airline Captain Reports Another saucer mystery August, September of Fate Magazine The Strange Mystery of the Foo Fighters Life Magazine April 52, now I'm born 12-26-51 So my life starts right Right after the Fate Magazine So my life starts somewhere Call it Fate if you will And Teresa J. Morris And then there's plenty of Fate Magazines, F-A-T-E, if you're interested in looking at those, and uh, Fate and True Magazine, and uh, it just goes on and on forward from there, and uh, we can go to the main page for uh, Jan's work with Project 1947. Now, he likes to work with the S-I-G-N Historical Group, and I'm a see if I punched on that, the SIGN Historical Group, and it's a project that hosts the SIGN Historical Group webpage, and this is a temporary measure, and the SIGN Historical Group does not necessarily endorse or subscribe to views and opinions expressed on the Project 1947 site, but I'm going to read you their statement of purpose, okay? Okay. The Sign Historical Group has a statement of purpose as SHG in an association of scholars and researchers who have come together to facilitate and promote the discovery and preservation of materials and the production and dissemination of publications about the history of the UFO phenomenon and the institutions and persons who investigated it. The SHG pursues these goals in the traditional manner of historians and archivists working on a subject of widespread public interest and cultural impact. Interests of the SHG include the interface of the UFO phenomenon with governmental, military, and academic concerns, folklore and popular culture, technological advances, and those aspects of the human, technical, and and natural landscapes that may serve to illuminate the history of the UFO phenomenon and our various human responses to it. The SHG espouses no theory as to the cause of the UFO phenomenon, though individual members may well have their own beliefs. The SHG is an independent not nonprofit association of persons who adhere to this statement of purpose and is not affiliated with any other group. Our philosophy. The SHG shares whenever possible its information and archives with all group members and all interested researchers worldwide. Membership in SHG is not open to the general public. The general members of the public, uh, so it's by invitation only. So, uh, return to SHG. That's a very uh, closed group but they have a lot of people that know of each other and uh, there's various UFO groups we're working with now and uh, Open Minds UFO Radio uh, it says let me see I think that is Javier not Javier um, what is his name let's see Open Minds UFO Radio I'm finding on Stitcher see if there's any information here No. Okay, just says uh, Mark Rodiger has been President and Scientific Director of the J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies since 1986. He earned a B.S. in Astrophysics from Indiana University in 1975. After a year of graduate school at the University of Sussex in England, he returned to complete his M.A. and Ph.D. in this is off of Stitcher, Open Mind GFO Radio. It says it's 98 minutes, back in 2015. Well, that's good that this is now recorded, and uh, we can listen to him, Mark Rodiger, his dissertation, uh, factors influencing attitudes towards controversial research, quantitatively disentangling the social from The Scientific explores the attitude towards the study of extraterrestrial intelligence by the scientific community. Other publications include numerous articles for IEUR in the Journal of UFO Studies and UFO Reports involving vehicle interference, a catalog, and data analysis in Evanston, Illinois, the Center for UFO Studies in 1981, Now, in the interview, uh, they talked about Mark, about CUFOs, his interest in UFOs, and the project he created called UFO Data. And Mark, along with other scientists and professionals, started UFO Data to develop observation stations that will obtain scientific data of UFOs. And, of course, it says you can go to CUFOs.org for any information about that. So that's one of many that share episodes on UFOs, including T.J. Mars E.T. Radio. And uh, there's many books out there. And uh, we're going to support authors of Alien UFO Research. Uh, let me see what this is. Alien UFO Research Job Postings. Uh, watch that be me. Hopefully not. Credit, credit, let's see. No? We Need Writers. Okay, travel historically. Isn't that interesting? Job postings, full-time, part-time, alien UFO research. Full-time, part-time, credential tax expert. (laughs) Nerdy hired. I thought that was interesting. They use those words where I live. Now, the Center for UFO Study, it says, uh, meet Jan and Hynek, the astronomer who first classified UFOs. Uh, We have a history channel, and uh, Jan has referred to that lately. Uh, Meet Jan and Heineck, the the astronomer who first classified UFO close encounters. And uh, when the government tapped the academic to help investigate UFOs, he was initially a skeptic, but not for long. So we're thankful that uh, they're running that, uh, that in September 1947, the U.S. Air Force had a problem. And a rash of reports about mysterious objects in the skies had the public on edge and the military baffled. The Air Force needs to figure out what's going on and fast and it launches an investigation it called Project Sign. By early 1948, the team realizes it needs some outside expertise to sift through the reporter's reports and it, all that it was receiving, but specifically an astronomer who can determine which cases are usually explained by astronomical phenomena, such as planes, stars, or meteors. Now, J. Allen Heinig was only 37 years old, and he was the director at the Ohio State University McMillan Observatory, and it would be a classic case of doing the right thing and being at the right place at the right time. So he occasionally amended the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess the wrong one, being the wrong one. <laughs> But uh, the adventure begins as Heineck worked for the government during the war, during the defense technologies, and like the first radio-controlled fuse, he already had high security clearances, so he was a natural go-to for this start. So one day, now this is quoted by uh, this is J. L. Heineck saying, "One day I had a visit from several men from the technical center at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which was only 60 miles away from Dayton." in Dayton he wrote with some obvious embarrassment the men eventually brought up the subject of in quotes, flying saucers and asked me if I would care to serve as consultant to the Air Force on the matter the job didn't seem as though it would take too much time so he agreed so little did Heineck realize he was about to begin a lifetime odyssey that would make him one of the most famous at times, controversial scientist of the 20th century. Now, he could have guessed how much he had some thinking about the UFOs would change over the period as he persisted in bringing rigorous scientific inquiry to the subject. So he had no idea, really, that he would change. um, In quotes, he, he recalls, I had scarcely heard of UFOs in 1948 and like every other scientist I knew, assumed that they were nonsense. So Project Sign ran for a year, and he, which the team reviewed, 237 cases. In Heinrich's final report, he noted that about 32% of the incidents could be attributed to astronomical phenomena, while 35% had other explanations such as balloons, rockets, flares, birds. Another remaining 33%, 13% didn't even have enough yield explanation. So the last 20% provided investigators with some evidence but still couldn't be explained. So the Air Force was loath to use the term unidentified flying object, in quotes, so the mysterious 20% were simply classified as unidentified. So in February 49, 1949, Project Sign was succeeded by Project Grudge, G R U D G E. The first project was S I G N. So while sign offered at least a pretense of scientific objectivity, grudge seems to have been dismissive from the start, just as his angry sounded name suggests. Heineck, who played no role in Project Grudge, said it took as its premise that UFOs simply could not be. Perhaps not surprisingly, its report issued at the end of 49 concluded that the phenomena posed no danger to the United States, having resulted from mass hysteria, deliberate hoaxes, mental illness, or conventional objects that the witness had misinterpreted and was otherworldly. It also suggested that subject wasn't worth study. So Project Blue Book was born. Now, whether we believe this or not, What Jan J. Allen Hynek is doing, uh, or Jan Aldrich for J. Allen Hynek and the Kubos, is trying to set the record straight with whatever historical evidence can be proven in uh, hindsight with 2020, with what we can find. And he said that most of what's being done now uh, that's been on UFO Channel, History Days, is pretty accurate. But um, that might have been the end of it, but the UFOs continued and that had puzzling reports with the Air Force and their radar operators, the people that run the radar at the Air Force bases. So the national media began treating the phenomenon more seriously after Life magazine L-I-F-E, which was a really important magazine back in the day before we had the Internet, that uh, a 1952 cover story uh, in Life magazine and uh, a widely respected TV journalist, Edward Murrow, Edward R. Murrow, devoted a project or a program to the topic on TV. So he concluded his interview with Kenneth Arnold, a pilot who in 1947 had a sighting Of mysterious objects over Mount Rainier in Washington State, so he popularized the term flying saucer. The uh, like they skipped over through the air like someone it's like skipping a rock, but he said like skip it, like flying saucer. So the Air Force had little choice, but to revive Project Grudge, but they morphed it into a more benign name called Project Blue Book. So, J. Allen Heineck joined Project Blue Book in 1952, and he remained with it until its demise in 1969. So, for him, that's the year, you know, we man walked on the moon at NASA, and I was involved in Houston where my husband worked for NASA, and they talked about bogey 10 or 12 o'clock high, something like that, and I got to hear it. Uh, firsthand because my husband read the typing pool and called me. I had a clearance, and I had all this paperwork that I had to do with Washington. And again, it had to be renewed every five years with NASA. But I got to hear that that's what was said, and I confirmed it later on in 87 in uh, UFO Digest in Canada. And uh, things changed, not 87, 2007, and things changed in 2000, August 2007 when I wrote that article. And I had a whole bunch of uh, hits from Russia and Europe and all that. And uh, I think I ran it in American News Magazine, and I had UFO Association back then. So things changed, and uh, we started moving forward and, and talking about UFO and uh UFO association, ufology, and all that. And I was, uh, I went to Roswell and talked with Glenn Dennis, and uh, I believe it was Walter Hall, Glenn Dennis. Seemed like it was somebody else. And uh, I met later with Sally Hester, that was running. They had gotten a museum together, and then a gentleman had uh, given all his files, and uh, to set up a library. In July, um, well, we celebrate July 4th weekend in Roswell every year uh, for Roswell, New Mexico, which became sort of famous for, uh, well, they've got a TV show called Roswell now. Hope it comes back. Uh, But uh, the museum, Roswell UFO Museum and uh, library there got put together by someone giving their uh, collection and uh, a lady was there uh, one time when I went through, and Sally Hester and her husband had had a UFO experience but didn't really want to write a book. But she uh, finally had a dream and she sent me her part. But she says, You can write the book, I don't want anything from it, you know, but you can use my story, my husband's story. And so we combined her effort with mine and we had a little book there. But that's how we really started everything back in the day uh, and how I learned. Uh, I think J. Allen Hynek had told me about Stanton. If it wasn't, it was Glenn Dennis. I, th- I know Glenn Dennis told me he'd like me to meet him and that he had just left because he was doing a book. Now, I had talked to Don Berliner, Berliner back then, and his books, and he had me looking and traveling and letting him know when I saw his books out and uh, when I was traveling as a truck driver. And then the movie had come out about Contact sometime in there uh, with uh, the movie Contact. And so there's a lot of history that goes forward, whether it's real or not, it's experiences and uh I experienced uh, spacecraft like Men in Black in uh, Rochester, New York, and uh, where Richard Dolan lived and Karen. I didn't even know that at the time. There was some fate and coincidence happening, but I saw them in about 2000. Let's see, 1983 over Rochester, New York. I was living at Pondview Heights, so my. I uh, had sightings in Houston prior to that, and I had sightings growing up uh, at my home in West Monroe, Louisiana, and in the second grade, I went, and then in White Sands, New Mexico. My uncle worked at Los Alamos, and I went over to White Sands and saw a UFO. I actually saw it on the ground, and they put my cousins to sleep on the mountaintop, or on the sand dune is really the way I should say it, and they kept me awake to see it, and uh, then. Uh, I was told never to talk about it to anybody ever uh, by my grandmother and my aunt and uncle and the uncle that worked at Los Alamos. So about 19, that would be 1959, 60, 61, somewhere in there, because I had hepatitis in the second grade, and I had to wait for a year until I got better because I died and I uh, saw a hologram of ETs or angels at that time, which sounds strange. But ever since uh, the first time I was four or so, had a playmate that I couldn't you know, my mother couldn't see that came and went. And so I'm wondering if there's something to the fact that some of us are trained in various dimensions and working with these beings to do this type of work and raise awareness and I haven't really discussed that historically with Jan Aldrich uh, but I did with J. Allen Hynek when I met him because he asked me about Aliens Among Us and what I believed so he got to listen to my story firsthand in, on this airplane uh, and this was 1985 and he died I believe in 86 and uh, so I wondered what had happened because we had a good meeting and he told me who he was and why and wanted to know why I was reading Aliens Among Us and asked me if I would help him with his research Uh, but let me look up J. Allen Hynek and tell you when he died in my report since uh, Jan's not here today okay it says he was born May 1st 1911 in Chicago Illinois he died April 27th 1986 in Scottsdale Arizona his spouse, Mimi Curtis Hynek, uh from 1942 to 86. Really? They both died the same year? Martha Drone Alexander, 1932 till 59. Is that right? 39. Spouse, Martha Dune Alexander, 32 to 39. Interesting, maybe he was married, he was born in 1910. He must have had two wives, and the first one must have passed too. But the University of Chicago, he graduated 31, and he went to Richard Crane Medical Prep High School. He had apparently one son, Joe Hynek. Now his books, it looks like UFO Experience 72, the Hynek UFO Report 77. The Edge of Reality, 75 and Night saves The Heineck. Oh, these are books maybe that the Heineck UFO report that are sold through him or around him. But it says, I'm going to read J. Allen Heineck on Wikipedia. Of course, they want money and I usually give money. I've already done the donation. So J. Allen Heineck, May 1, 1910 to April 27, 86, was an American astronomer, professor, and ufologist. He is perhaps best remembered for his UFO research, and Hynek acted as scientific advisor to UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force under three consecutive projects, Project Sign from 1947 to 49), Project Grudge, 1949 to 1952, and Project Blue Book, 1952 to 1969. In later years, he conducted his own independent UFO research developing the close encounters classification system uh, that many people use today. So he was among the first people to conduct scientific analysis of reports, and especially of trace evidence purportedly left by UFOs. So he died April 27, 1986, at 75, so I must have met him when he was 74, Astrophysicist, ufologist. So, uh, he was born in Chicago to Czech parents and received a B.S. from the University of Chicago. In 35, his Ph.D. in astrophysics at Yerkes uh, Observatory. He joined the physics and astronomy at Ohio State in 36. He specialized in stellar and stellar evolution, and in the identification of spectroscopic binary stars. Now his career during World War Two, one, or is it two? My eyes, two. His Hank was a civilian scientist at the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory, where he helped to develop the United States Navy radio proximity fuse. And after the war, he returned to the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Ohio State, rising the professor, a full professor, 50, 1950. Now this is all before I was born, because I was born tw- the, like almost the last day. I was born the day after Christmas, '51. So in '53, he submitted a report on the fluctuation of the brightness and color of starlight and daylight, with emphasis on daylight, daytime observations. So he left his professorship to join uh, Professor Fred Whipple in 1956, the Harvard astronomer. At the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory which combined with a Harvard Observatory at Harvard and Heineck had the assignment of directing the tracking of an American space satellite, a project for the International Geophysical Year in '56 And thereafter, in addition to over 200 teams of amateur scientists around the world, they were part of Operation Moonwatch. There were also 12 photographic Baker-Nunn stations, and a specific camera was devised for the task, and a prototype was built and tested and then stripped apart, again, October 4, 1957, when the Soviet Union launched its satellite Sputnik. Now, I remember that coming over because we stood out in Monroe, Louisiana, and watched it. So I know we stayed, stood in the street. So after competing, completing his work on the satellite program, Heineck was back to teaching and taking the position of professor and chairman of astronomy department at Northwest University. Now, if I'm correct, October 4, 1957, or when it came over Monroe, Louisiana, we were out in the street with my father and mother, Joe Baldwin, Jerry Baldwin, and Mike Smith. We all lived on South 7th Street in Monroe, Louisiana, and uh, it changed my life, of course, because I'd already seen one or been up in one. And so I felt like I had some authority in my mind as an observer of uh, seeing Sputnik. And uh, it gave me an open awareness of why uh, and what we did with these beings that came in UFOs. And I just assumed it was all the same, you know, it was overhead. So I had an opinion already as a child which is interesting, I think, because so many children do now. We put that in our stories that we weren't allowed to talk about in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And it wasn't until the 2000s, and then books coming out. Uh, well, I met him, Aliens Among Us, and then Shirley MacLaine was left, but she, the giggle factor began out on a limb with Shirley MacLaine and Whitley or Strieber. And his wife Ann, but uh, used to talk to Ann on Facebook. And Whitley had some eye surgery; she was real worried about. I remember all of that. Yeah, I was supposed to meet Whitley Streber, or Streber. I don't even know the proper way to say it. I've never been on his show, and uh, but I speak with Ann, and I guess Whitley Streber back. Uh, you know how you talk to him on Facebook or type back and forth, but. At one time, I talked to him on the phone in San Antonio, and to meet him at a bookstore. I was uh, in the Navy; I had my U.S. Navy uniform on, but I was uh, being trained in San Antonio along the riverwalk, and then uh, in uh, some meetings we had there with the United States Navy next to the Alamo. I stayed across or t- in a hotel next to the Alamo or Caddy Corner to the Alamo. I remember that. But all these didn't mean anything until I started deciding to document some stuff and uh, talking about it with Stanton Friedman, and uh, I talked to George Feiler a couple of times, maybe more, told him about Tom and Tom's story. He put that in one of his presentations I saw on YouTube. And uh, then uh, Janet Carolesson and Tommy Hawksblood Sinisi, both of Hawaii, I had been living in Hawaii and worked for the United States Navy but I'd taken on some other responsibility as a starting founder for the extraterrestrials called the Ascension Center and they gave me that and a picture came down on a, on a computer to an Indian man and I started psychic network and uh yet AT&T and the government was really interested in what I was doing I started teaching classes and talking about things like a wormhole through from Hawaii to Africa, things like that. Uh, Somebody just said something, but sometimes the algorithms and the uh, computers now talk to me like they know me, even when I'm doing my radio show. Uh, All this data that I wanted back in the time I was in Hawaii, I could have visions past, present, and future, and it sounds strange to know things and then see them. So I learned a lot about uh, what we call psychic readings and tarot readings. In Houston, before I went into the military and went out of country as an investigator, I was very logical, rational, and used reasoning. And we all have to be somewhat of a skeptic of what we know or what we see, question everything with our own senses, but I always had like a sixth sense, and it seemed to be something to do with this type of uh, data I'm collecting now and working with ufologist and alienologist, And J. Allen Hynek, I guess because I don't know if he was sent to me or if it was orchestrated with the men in black because when I took my polygraph and retina scans in the uh, intelligence agency and was brought back May 10th, 1987, on the second polygraph, they brought men in in suits and told me to remember men in black in suits. And uh, before my husband died in his uh, time of collecting data and microfish and microdots and things like that around the world uh, and papers, uh, he had left something in the pyramids and then uh, some a gentleman came to him, a young man, and told him you know, he was a, an intelligence officer and it took him a while to find a thin black tie because that's the way we expected to see them. So um, the intelligence agency has some curious ideas of what's what and how th- we're to be treated in the intelligence agency and in dealing with ufology and men in black. But I'll do my best to help with educational entertainment and pulling it all together and to what is real and what we can uh, decide. But be aware that there's many aspects, opinions, and editorial involvement into experiencing with filters in our belief systems. However, I like to make documented historical fact the best I could with the way it was presented to me at the time. Now it's one hour. Let me call him and see if I can get him again on the line. Let's see if it remembered the number it did. Let me call and see if he's there. Darling, uh, because it's on the hour. If not, I may just stop this if he is not available uh, at the one hour. But I'm going to see if he wants to close out the year 2019. So I'm going to dial Jan, not Harzan. Jan Harzan is the president of Mutual UFO Network in 2019, as far as I know. And I've confirmed and talked to him prior. He's only been able to be on for a few minutes on a show with Janet Lesson. And Hello? uh, Ira Pester. Well, hello there. Is this Jan Aldrich, the famous yep, urologist?
2: Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> can you give me about an hour of your time? I've got an hour left. Sure, I've been sure, yeah, about jail yeah. and and well, you Well,
0: I waited and, you know, nobody called, so then I went out and got dinner.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I apologize. I was trying to get on. And uh, anyway, we're here now, so uh, have you eaten, or can you eat? Yeah, and yeah, talk? Yeah. Or, yeah. It's fine. Okay, well, this is the last one for 2019, and I've got up the title UFO Association, Jan Aldrich, Teresa J. Morris, Book 2, Episode 2, 123119. So let's close the year out. Like I was, uh, had time to read up, so I sort of gave an introduction of UFOs and Project Sign, Project 1947. So I've just been reading. And talking, and then I added my story of meeting J. Allen Hynek and reading the book, Aliens Among Us by Ruth Montgomery, and how I met him on an airplane, and I think we were at Chicago a here, and uh, how we're moving forward, and uh, now it's your turn. So, do you have anything prepared for ending this year, or where would you like to go, forward or backwards?
0: (laughs) Well, here's what I'm doing, and... um... If you notice, since last time we talked, I put uh, um, some items on uh, uh, the, uh, not the website, but the uh, Facebook page.
1: Um, Oh, I haven't been to that. I I read off of your index. um, Right. What did I read? Project 1947. I read your little magazines you had posted. So I went sort of... Down the just your first page and then the magazines you had on the bottom, right? So, what's well, up we on did, the pro- we on, talk on the did about, uh,
0: yeah, we did talk about the last um, uh, the last time about uh, the first uh, few items I put up on the uh, um, page. I've kind of uh, renamed them, uh, renamed the page, uh. And uh, um, so now I've got it as, if I can get to it, of course, everything freezes when you want it, you want it to do something.
1: <laughs> uh, trust me, I know all about having technical issues. Well, Project nineteen. No, 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 I got it now. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. I put. Um, I made the uh, uh, the title leaks, lost files, obfuscations, contradictions, revelations, counterintelligence investigations, and security violations. And so, uh, there's, there's going to be about a hundred of these. But then when I was doing this, my friend uh popped up and popped in there and he says, uh, you, "You know, you're getting you're getting uh, kind of long on the teeth there, buddy." Uh, how is uh how how are, how are people going to if you pop off tomorrow, how are people going to know uh, where they should pick up your work? And so I said, "Okay." And we talked about that for a while, and he said, you should do something similar to what you're doing right now with this uh, law, leaks, lost files, obfuscations. But uh, just just use it as a point where people can pick, pick up your research, where you're um, at the edge of finding something so people can pick it up. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So uh, I've been adding a few things to this, and... Uh, um, about a hundred i think i'll have about a hundred uh items when I'm finished and that should guide people to what I've done and where uh where where I'm trying to go so I put a few uh items on uh on the on the uh web page to uh to start to update it it's just the beginning though uh and then i'm going to put them in in uh chronological order because um i was just doing it off the top of my head now that uh my friend convinced me to do a more thorough and uh detailed job uh this will change out um Some of the things I talked about was, uh, were, uh, this is something that's always puzzled me and why they did this is uh, very interesting. Uh, there was a incident supposedly, or let's put it this way, a story running around uh, ufological circles about a, uh, a MiG at, uh, attempting to uh, intercept a UFO from Cuba that uh, was being observed on U.S. radar when the MiG. Um, dispe- the uh, UFO disappeared from the radar screen, and the MiG appeared to blow up. So, Todd was nosing around and uh, putting in uh, Freedom of Information requests, and he was getting nowhere. So uh in one of the requests he put down well if I don't if I don't get an answer maybe I'll just write to the Cubans and ask for their side of the story. And right after he did that um, uh, two FBI agents showed up at his door. Um, so they they wanted to talk to him, now, and they who wanted is this? to
1: Huh? Who is this we're talking about?
0: Robert Todd. He's Thank a, you. He's a one of the uh, all time uh, greats as far as FOIA information goes. He's he's uncovered so much material, and and, and I have about uh, a third of his material here at my house with me. So that's... Um, wow. Now, this was covered in uh, uh, Larry Fawcett and Barry Greenwood's book, uh, The UFO Cover-Up, or uh-huh. also it was called Clear Intent. It was issued twice in two different titles. The first was The UFO Cover-Up, and the second was Clear Intent. Um, so these two FBI agents show up at his door and they want to talk to him. What and, year was that? Uh, uh, 86, I believe.
1: Oh, wow. So,
0: and so... Uh,
1: it's the year Jay on the Heineck passed in April.
0: Yeah. 86. So, so he uh, he talked to uh, them. Uh, uh, they wanted all the material he had and and they they were trying to warn him off the incident really uh, and they warned him about espionage. now they just talked about espionage, and as such they warned him that the, the the uh the penalty for such was could be up to execution um they were trying to scare him well he you know. He was scared, but not for his life. He was scared that he might be tied up in court forever. Uh, so he uh, he put the uh, material he had in an envelope and sealed it up and put put it um, where they could see it. And he so said, he, uh, "He put the um, oh my, we're getting no feedback here."
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Apologize.
0: Yes, uh, I was checking uh, to make sure
1: we were on. <laughs> I called you, but I wasn't sure we were on radio. <laughs> we're on radio. Okay, we're we're live. Go ahead. <laughs> okay,
0: so he put the material in an envelope, sealed it up, and told them that they bring him some kind of thing that says they can seize it, and he'll be happy to give it to him. Uh. And he never heard a thing about it, and that's how uh that's one of the things I'm talking about as far as a uh a security investigation um, uh, robert todd was was known as being very um angry maybe maybe that's what they you know he supposedly uh was discourteous and everything like i say i have all his um uh, i have all, all a third of his records barry greenwood Um probably the other two thirds and there's others there's there may be uh uh things he uh he uh had uh, at other people's in other people's collection that that neither of us have. Uh, Charles Huffer, he did a lot of work for Charles Huffer. uh, Charles Huffer um, financed some of his work, um, but uh, Huffer uh, passed away and we don't know where that material is. Uh, Todd, uh, he sent Todd these Copies of what he found after Todd gave him to Huffer, he sent them copies back, but they were on this foil back um, material that they used to use for copying. It's like it was a photographic copy of the
2: <clears throat>
0: of the thing. And Todd said, I, I had so much of that at home that the ceiling started to sag. <laughs> So, anyways, Todd, Todd is cantankerous and everything, but generally, what I found, uh, if people were trying to uh, answer his voice, he was he was uh, courteous and just what you'd expect. But when they started lying to him, that's when he got he uh, he, he started to get a little nasty to him. Uh, one guy said. Uh, um he wrote to the to the uh, uh, uh the watch committee and the watch committee is like a high level <coughs> uh executive committee that that uh, when there's a threat to the united states they meet and they discuss what should happen um uh there had been a uh a UFO go across the United States from um, Long Island to Chicago, and hung around for a while at Chicago. And um, there were there were ideas that it was possibly a. Uh, this was in September of '57. Um, ideas that it was possibly a Soviet recon um, rocket um so Todd wanted to know about it and the, the fellow at the watch committee said uh we are not a a uh depository for uh, uh UFO information which is not what Todd asked he wanted to know about this specific incident and we know from FBI documents that the watch watch committee took this up um I uh, didn't really go back after it that much, but there was. Uh, um, uh, we have found more about it since then, and in Jerry Clark's latest encyclopedia, the third edition of the UFO Encyclopedia that he uh, uh, just published, uh, Brad Sparks has written an article about the uh, September '57 incident. Uh, jamming radars and, uh, um, uh, EM effects are, uh, are involved in this case. And, uh, uh, Brad Sparks goes ahead and covers that in detail. Um, in any way, in any case, uh, what Todd did as soon as the FBI agents left... He wrote up a FOIA and had his mother sign it. <laughs> and he wanted all the information from the investigation of Robert Todd. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he got several other people in the in the uh, uf- uf- ufological field to do the same. I'm sure the FBI regretted that they ever came to see him.
1: <laughs> oh, got him busy, huh? Yeah, we
0: never did find out much more about the Cuban incident. I mean, you know, people have speculated on what happened, but that's so that's that's a that's a uh, security investigation, rather unusual one. Um, uh, another one that's uh, probably true. It probably was a security breach. Well, you know, uh. I think uh, people can read about the um, supposed uh, northern tier incident, where uh, helicopter like objects were seen to hover over nuclear inst- installations al- along the uh, northern U.S. border. Um, and apparently, how that came to light was during the uh uh during the hey heyday of FOIA. Uh NICAP's president at the time, uh ACUF, uh was apparently given um security information which he shouldn't have had. It was classified by an Air Force officer and uh about about these incidents and at the time uh, FOIA was brand new so people put in FOIA's and that's how we got such a, a tremendous amount of information of course what we don't have is um the uh you know what what the uh, analysis of all these cases were now they were happening in uh in uh, Loring Air Force Base in Maine all the way over to, uh, um, uh, Montana. Um, and so, uh, and these things were being recorded at the, uh, national, uh, 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 military command center at the Pentagon. So these weren't trivial cases. Uh, in one case they did send up uh, interceptors Uh, more than one case several cases they sent up interceptors it wasn't necessarily just in the northern area Um, in uh, Charleston uh, South Carolina uh the uh, uh, the helicopters were uh, hovering over the uh, over the uh, nuclear facility there, the Navy's nuclear facility, their, their storage area, and um, the Navy had called the Air Force and said, can you tell us what's going on? Are these your helicopters? And the man at the uh, uh, one of the NCOs at the Uh, base there called around to all the facilities in the area and all the uh, FAA towers and everything. And no, nobody had any helicopters in the area. Nobody was supposed to be in the area. Um, The Navy just uh, the next day uh, issued a statement that the uh, the incident is under investigation. On, they issued it on television, and nothing's ever been heard of, uh, about it since. In fact, the people that were uh, trying to identify the helicopters, and they—they they, you know—they were not just making calls in the immediate area. They were calling all around to try to tell where they where these things came from, um, and they didn't appear to be. They appeared to uh, be hovering over the nuclear installation, shining uh, searchlights into it. So, this is a serious incident. Uh, n- no Navy follow up investigation was ever uh, revealed. There's nothing, it's just, it went dark. Um, also, uh, Shreesport, your Louisiana, Bossier Air Force Base, uh, similar things happened, um, nothing ever. Uh, no explanations, no um, further investigations came to light. It's uh, uh, interesting that a lot of uh, nuclear facilities somehow, sometimes, Interact with UFOs like this. Um, Now, Loring Air Force Base has been uh, in—it's shut down (coughs)
2: now—but
0: had a long history of (coughs) uh, UFO incidents uh, going back into the 60s, 50s. Uh, uh, police on the ground, regular police and security police in the uh, inside the base, uh, interacting with these things. I talked to a at a MUFON meeting here in Connecticut. I talked to a police officer who, in '66, had a UFO come down very close to him just just uh uh fly up to him and just a few f- feet away from him when he got out of his police car and then took off and he said I said did you report it at the time and he said heck no he said I was going <laughs> to risk my career but he said right. no. he said after i retired one of the first things i did was report it to mufon so he said it's in the MUFON database. So that's great <clears throat> that he did that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, of course. Uh,
1: Do you want us even, to uh, put MUFON uh, in here since we support? Well, mostly this is about Kufos and Jay Allen Hynek and you going over there with Barry, and then me meeting him in eighty.
0: Yeah. five. Well I've, I, I've I know had, uh, you know Mufon Mufon was one of the supporters originally of uh uh Project forty seven so sure why Can not we have, have to include MUFOR, that. MUFON, okay. Mufon uh Mufor and Kufo's CUF, uh, all supported it. Um
1: All right. Well is Jan Harzan I'm pretty sure is Jan there's uh I was Jan Thurmond and yeah. you're Jan Aldrich and Jan Harzan, I should put that. But is Jan Harzan still the president of MUFON?
0: As far as I know. Our director? Yeah, as far as I MUFON. know. MUFON.
1: Uh, Jan Harzan. Okay. And so uh, Kufos
0: mm-hmm.
1: Who's the director now of CUFOS? Uh
0: Mark Rodiger. Dr. Mark Rodiger.
1: Okay. I talked about him on this show. Uh, you know how to spell his name? Uh, it's not easy, is it?
0: No. R-O-D-G-H-E-R.
1: Rodiger. R O D. I just had it up. Yes. Uh, Dr. Mark.
0: Rodiger.
1: QFOS. Well, I know that. Uh Let's see. R-O-D-H-E-R-E... No, that can't be right. Mark? Yeah, R-O-D-E-G-H-I-E-R. R-O-D-E-G-H... Ooh, that's not easy. Is that German, you think?
0: I'm not sure,
1: R-O-D-E-G...
0: You know, a lot of times when people come over (laughs) here from places like say uh Czechoslovakia or something like that they changed
1: they change their name to a more uh english pronounce the e g h e okay and then we got uh Jan harzan now you're uh i'm gonna put you first because 'cause you're we'll pro- see m See, oh well, it won't matter, it's not in. So, you're the uh, director, project 1947 director and founder, right?
0: Right,
1: Jan Aldrich. Okay, interesting. And then I'm gonna put UFO Association, me is well, it's what's funny is I'm gonna put T. Jan Thurmond Morris, because I find that very funny because I was called Jan all my life, but I don't use it at all. But I'd still find that extremely funny. Jan uh, Aldrich, Jan Harzin, and my name was, I would grow up with Jan. And then uh, Bruce Maccabee's wife is Jan Maccabee now. She was with Mufon. I guess they're still with that, but he helped me start Alien Contact Organization, but he said he had to drop out this year in 2019. But he did start doing some television, you know. But he's done two, oh he's done several shows here on TJMRC2 Radio for years. I can go back and collect them and put them on one page. I'll probably do that on mine. Now, I've got to pull all this together for us for UFO Association. I've still got ufoassociation.org, and uh, I've just got to pull it up. It's all owned and paid for and has been for years, but I've taken everything down because I want to restructure it. Like you said for 2020, but you're putting it in Facebook.
0: Well, I'm right? putting I I put this little bit that I've done so far on Facebook. But I, what I'm going to do when I get through with this, uh, um, is I, I'm going to send it to uh, researchers that are working the same kind of parallel tracks that I am. So. Uh, like I said, if I should How pass away, way, they, they, they know what I've been working on.
1: Right. Well, Project 1947. And I'll when put it on it up? Project
0: 1947.
1: Okay, so now I've will got be one a, here. There will like be October. a thing that says
0: leaks, uh, lost files, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on Project 47 Adventure. I hope to have it done in 10 days.
1: Wow. So... Is that just getting the files organized or folders or... What well, I'm getting this, um, um,
0: this diagram about what I'm doing or what I've done. Because a lot of people have... Uh, I have documents that uh, go through a lot of UFO history that, that people um don't have and so instead of actually looking for documents over the years they've said well this is how this happened and in a lot of cases i could tell you how it happened because i have the documents i just got i just got called from a, a fellow in canada that's he's doing his own book about ufo history and we had a long discussion about uh uh, the estimate of the situation, and he told me at the end. He said, he said I, I like talking to you because you got all the sources. And I said, well, we. <laughs> I said, we don't even have We don't have the document. We don't. We don't have half the sources. I said, well, he says, yeah, but a lot of these books just discuss it, and they never give where they got their information from. And he says you you put down all the documents that you traced down, and I said yeah. The problem is we still don't have the document. We don't know where it is. Um, we've got some ideas where it might be, but uh, it's not that easy. So, um, but he said you know it's good it's good to have the sources. Anyways, he wasn't even convinced that it existed, but after I uh, after I sent him what I had, he said. Well, it, I I think it did exist. I think you're right. It did exist. That it, uh, uh, you have enough uh, evidence that it did, and you're on the way to getting more evidence. So one of my prime things that I'm looking for is uh, when Project Sign was in operation, and they're the ones that produced the estimate or... Uh, they had to send in a quarterly report. The quarterly report for November, that was sent in on November 30th, 1948, apparently quoted a lot of the estimate of the situation. When I tried to get it out of the archives, they essentially told me they weren't going to look for it. It was too much trouble. Um. What they said is everything. You, everything about UFOs is in uh, Project Blue Book uh, documents, which is not, of course, not true. So I guess I'm going to have to go down there personally and look for it myself. Um, one of the things that complicates the factors is when they apparently destroyed the evidence; they destroyed the uh, uh, Project Sign. Uh, quarterly report for November 30th, 1948, and they admitted, they told that to uh, Project Sign. They said, "Hey, we we we, uh, we destroyed this by accident. Could you send us another copy?" So I think there's a copy to be found in the uh, in the Air Force correspondence at the National Archives. It's just not under Flying Disc. It's under some other title briefings um, analysis investigation, something like that um, actually, when you put in a FOIA request uh they're not your they're not your research associates you've got to give them a good idea where the document is or uh so they they were justified in kind of fopping me off but uh uh I think they still should have looked for it. Um, <clears throat> getting to another, another case where uh, UFO security is involved. And uh, during the Vietnam War, there are a few documents in the project, blue book, files about things that happened in Vietnam. But there was a major, there were... Uh, actually more than one project investigate unknown objects being seen in Vietnam with a high high unknown rate of results in other words a lot of unknown sightings Uh, some of them they thought were uh, North Vietnamese helicopters but uh, others were not um now Barry Greenwood has done in his um, his uh, UFO uh, historical review, which is on the Barry Greenwood Archives, number fourteen and number fifteen. He's done. He did. He did the initial research on this. He also had other uh, Vietnam. Incidents recorded in various military logs, like the 4th Division had uh, a number of UFO sightings in Vietnam. None of these ever made it to Blue Book. And this is when the Colorado investigation was going on, and none of them made it to Colorado either. So it was like uh, a hidden um, secret investigation was going on. Now, Paul Dean has uh, has done further research, and he uh, produced an article in Jerry Clark's latest edition, the third edition of the UFO Encyclopedia, uh, on what he's found. So we're starting to find things about these. This is like a, a, a secret UFO investigation that... It was revealed in '72 by the uh, chief of staff of the Air Force, uh, but uh, nothing further was. And we, you have to you have to go to the archives to dig this material out. Like I said, the material was never considered by Colorado, nor uh, were these uh, cases in Project Blue Book. It's another one of these things where loss files and um, you know in- uh, security investigations are just uh, beyond our were're beyond our understanding at the time if Keo had known about these what he would have done with nicap i I imagine it would have been quite uh, revealing. So, uh, any uh, there are a lot of documents floating around in various other files within government material, which is available to the public. The problem is to go and get it. unless you can identify exactly where it is, a lot of this is, like I've said before, grunt work. You've got to sign files out and turn page over page until you find them. Uh, That's why I want to put this material in some kind of um, outline so that uh, maybe people that uh, follow me can go down there and try to look at at the uh, material in the archives and and find some
1: new insight
0: into the problem uh, we uh we found we have the fourth air force files which is very a very interesting thing but it's at the beginning of u f o history not towards the end which uh is is obviously the the latest stuff is more interesting and probably important but at the beginning there's you know there's the 4th Air Force files now what does that say right away if 4th Air Force kept files on UFOs how about the other numbered Air Forces like 8th Air Force 15th Air Force um, first what about these uh, these organizations um we also know that uh, the Army our, uh, Army Intelligence at 3rd Division had asked for help with uh, the local civil defense in North Carolina, so uh, where are these files? Uh, it's really interesting, and of course, my favorite one is the Navy. <laughs> The Navy doesn't talk about anything. Uh, (laughs) so it's real hard to get anything out of them. Okay. And of course, AAITP, every time you ask, uh, the government spokesman about it, you get a different answer. So this is, this is the way that the government operates. uh, um, it's hard to trust anything they say, or as Barry Greenwood said, you can't trust anything the government says about UFOs.
2: Uh,
0: tomorrow will be something different. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is what we're up against. I think uh, one day we'll have a clearer picture, but I think. For those people that try to tell us they know what's going on? No. For the person with the least amount of uh, knowledge of UFO history to the person with the most amount of UFO knowledge of UFO history, uh, there's there may appear to be a lot of distance between the two of them as far as their knowledge goes, but you, when you look at our ignorance of what's going on with UFO history, they they look like they're at the same place. In other words, what I'm trying to say is there's so much more to find out.
1: All right. Well, uh, what are the main players right now in your life? Because UFO Association wants to ask people to be, I don't know how to do this because that group I read about earlier on this program, they have a closed, are we going to have a closed by invitation only for UFO Association? Are we going to allow reporters or ufologists or researchers, alienologists or what do you feel because uh, 2020 uh, is going to be more open about disclosure at least well our everybody keeps
0: hoping that but that's that's i think that's kind of a, I don't think we're going to get any disclosure i think people that are thinking about disclosure are uh this is wishful thinking i think uh, you have to go out and find it yourself you have to kick Start kicking, st- start kicking stuff out of the way to get to it. Uh, uh, I feel a lot of these people are just they. They're, they're, I think there's two people that disclosure. Some of them are. I'm going to hold my breath until I turn purple. If you don't <laughs> tell me what's going on, well, you're not going to get anything like that because the government is not going to tell you anything. Uh, and the others are, well, we'll just wait, and things come along, and there's more and more all the time. Yeah, and and then it's mucked up. Like I said, the government can't, can't say from one day to another the same thing about, you know, either AAITP was about UFO investigation, and no, there was never any UFO investigation. And if you want to, uh, the, uh, the spokesmen are constantly weasel-wording what they say to you.
2: Uh,
0: Alonzo said that, um, the cases that came to AAITP were already investigated and vetted. So, then the statement that the government spokesman said may be true, yeah, uh, AAITP didn't investigate them. They, igno- they uh, analyzed them. That may be true because of weasel wording. So um, the best thing is...
1: Weasel to to warning? Is that what you Wording. <laughs> wording. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> weasel wording. Weasel which wording. That's what they do, do all the time. It's not. Yeah, you're not quite telling the truth, but you're not quite lying either. So uh, wow. I believe that's, uh, that's the situation we have. We have to uh, continue on um, talking to uh, former government people, uh, looking for government documents, uh, and like I said, things leak out, uh, and I think we've talked plenty about that, Uh But they uh, keep trying to find more out. Look in places that you wouldn't figure would be would have anything, and there are surprises. Um, I've looked in a lot of, of files where I thought there would surely there'd be a lot of UFO material in this file. Nothing another file by a different agency and there's all kinds of things in there. Um, huh. Uh, on the Ghost Rockets, the biggest group of documents I found were in General LeMay's personal files.
2: Files oh, wow. that he
0: kept when he left the Air Force and he had... Uh, he had uh, General uh, 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 the uh, General um, McDonald's. General McDonald was in charge of Air Force Intelligence after World War II. General McDonald's report to uh, the Chief of Staff of the Air Force. And that's the only place it, it, that was the main place it went. It went from McDonald to Spatz. And uh, since Lemay was at the time, he had, we hadn't taken over SAC, but he was the uh, chief of research and development. He had a copy of this report in his files. It's on Project 47. You can find it. You look in the 1946 section. And he had uh, a a number of documents in his file. Um, uh, Seven messages from uh, from Europe about the uh, Ghost Rockets. Now that's the biggest file I found on Ghost Rockets. What did I find before? One or two documents at a time. That was it. You just had to keep turning pages over so I looked at naval intelligence turnover, maybe 25 pages, and there's a ghost rocket document. And not only is it a ghost rocket document, it was at um, it was top secret at the time, and it went to the precursor, of the uh, CIA. The uh, Central Intelligence Group was the precursor to the CIA. It went to them, so that's that, that's that's amazing. Keep turning pages, keep turning pages. Maybe I'm at 100 pages. There's another document about ghost rockets. That's how I was finding, turning over one page at a time. There was nothing in the file that indicated. It just said naval intelligence files. Um, I found uh, I found very little UFO material in the the um, uh, small amount of naval intelligence files that are at the uh, National Archives. Somebody needs to go to the Washington Navy Yard where they have much bigger collection of naval documents. I don't think anybody in ufology has been there yet.
1: Well, we've got a museum down here in Pensacola. But yeah. uh, I don't know where we we keep uh the files i guess i'll start in 2020 and
0: yeah it would be interesting like they, the you days. know they might have files there mm-hmm. i mean you know some of these things have just been found by a lark um the central intelligence group since they were getting all these ghost rocket files uh they wrote up a report for President Truman and sent it to him. In fact, they wrote up two reports and sent it to him. Now, where are these things? They're not at the National Archives. I, I went through the Naval Intelligence documents. I went through uh, CIA, uh, the CIG documents that I could get my hands on. Um, uh, nothing. Uh. As a fellow from Switzerland wrote to he sent a FOIA to the uh army uh history Institute, and they had a copy of these reports to Truman in their files and and they had they declassified it for him <laughs> amazing. Um, Barry Greenwood uh, wrote to the uh, uh, Truman Library uh, in Missouri, and he tried to uh, he he asked about this and other reports, and he got he got a copy of the same report, but they had they had uh, redacted the stuff. The Army hadn't; they just they just let Greenwood have the whole thing. Uh, He writes about that in his uh, UFO uh, um, historical review newsletter. He writes about that. Um, So the the people at the Truman Library still thought there was stuff that had to be kept for the public, while the Army had decided that everything was fine for the public to see. And that's what I mean by... uh, different places and finding different things at different times. It wasn't the National Archives, uh, uh, it wasn't the CIA documents, uh, the Army had a copy, and the Truman Library had a copy, kind of amazing. So you find things where you don't expect it. Um, Uh, We had the Project Blue Book files. There's a lot of material about the Korean War in there, UFO sightings. Um, uh, Some Korean War veterans uh, asked the Marine Corps if they have uh, uh, some aerial combat uh, material in their files at Quantico, Virginia. And sure enough, here comes the first... Marine Air Wing weekly summary of combat in Korea from 51 to 53, and the Marines kept track of UFO, UFO sightings. It wasn't unknown aircraft. No, they separated unknown aircraft from UFOs. They had a, a... So... Not every week, but whenever they encountered anything that was a UFO, they kept it separate. They had put it in there under a diff, uh, UFO heading and we had never you know nobody had ever expected that there was anything like that. It was just a it was just a surprise um, and Barry Greenwood found it online. Here's his stuff online. Apparently nobody in the UFO community had found it before Greenwood. It was just just amazing, and actually UFO people didn't find it. It was Korean War veterans that found it. It's just, uh, where these things are gonna pop up, you just never know. Um, So I have uh, a uh, report from Northern Japan for 1953. That, uh on my in my 1953 site it's April 14th 1953 if you want to go look at it using the project Blue book files and what the Marines had in their files and putting the information together we got a clearer picture of this very important UFO sighting I've been talking to uh, Navy uh, Navy flyer on this and that's kind of his expertise, this kind of aircraft that they were involved in it and he you know, he says, uh, you know, this is amazing, uh at first he thought they were MIGs, they were they were communist planes, but he's saying, you know, they don't have that much range and they can't stay in the area a lot of the time. So they're almost at the uh this was this would be outside their range, and they hung around for a long time, so they didn't have enough fuel to do this. So what are these things? And apparently the Navy uh, sent this to the Air Force as a uh, as a UFO report, and of course the Marines also recorded it in their a log of things as a UFO report. They recorded different information and putting it together, we have a clear picture. Brad Sparks wrote this up and revised it for me. It's on. The, it's in the 1953 section of the of filling in the gaps for 1953. And, uh... Brad had already written this up for the UFO encyclopedia, but this adds more information to it. We never know when we're going to get more information. It's just it's surprising. Um, sometimes you go for a long time dry spells, but if you keep knocking over the rocks and seeing what's under underneath them, you, every once in a while you'll be surprised to find something. That's the way... Uh, that's my philosophy of uh, UFOs.
1: Well, what would you call Area 51 and the UFO Association? Because it's a key word, especially for that event in uh, in Vegas. You know, they've got the new museum and that uh, alien, but I can only have, like, UFOs, aliens, like Area 51 is a popular word to optimize UFO association. I've got archivists, reporters, researchers, radio hosts, share ufology, alienology, authors, websites, links, aliens, business. business. Uh, uh, you, because, do I have ufologists? Let's see. Arch- Archivist, because we're archivists, but we're also reporters and researchers. Because you know, you they put Jalen Hynek as a ufologist. Do you want to call yourself well, a ufologist?
0: Yeah, I, you know, he, he is in such a unique position because he was inside the Air Force for almost 50 years.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you about this... Uh, this fellow that I just written into in Canada about the uh, now he 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 just gave me a piece of information that I didn't have uh, yeah. on uh, early UFO history. Um, one of the uh, one of the investigators for Project Sign was George Tolles. George Tolles.
1: T o l l s.
0: T o w l e s. So
1: oh. he.
0: Uh, uh he is listed as an author on the project grudge report so uh george Tolles uh, uh apparently uh uh was asked a question after after the project blue book was closed and he revealed in a letter that uh not only had he been in Project Sign, but he had been there the whole time that Project Blue Book was there as a uh, a sort of a backup and a consultant. So he was almost like Heineck, somebody that was there the whole time, but never, uh, he didn't get a lot of credit for being there. This is, so it's, you know. An, once again, another new fact. Just hang around a lot, and things will come forward. I guess,
1: uh, like I say, you got to <laughs> so keep. So we're going to try to put people together. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You, you, now I know something about George Tolls that I never knew. Uh, uh, Wendy Connors and Mike Hall supposedly uh, interviewed him, and so uh, I want to ask them about what he said because. Uh, obviously uh he has more insight than I ever thought, of course, when he talked to Wendy, he told wendy he says, "Oh, I was just like the janitor he said i didn't you know i didn't uh, didn't have so much of a a big deal there uh, I think that's just uh the man being very humble, you know, not tooting his own horn." Uh, you also told Wendy, he says, I got the old man's disease. Can't remember much. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I did too.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, well,
1: Jan, i heard to say uh, 90 seconds. So I guess I've got the uh, UFO Association organization bought, and I put up... So I'll send this to you. Let's see if it'll let me put it on today's show. It uh, Well... I've got to get uh, the newsletter that we want to put out and let people know the names of the different groups or people or whatever it is you want to do, and it can hit Facebook. But uh, I guess we'll just have to make a UFO Association organization Facebook page and then put our links and names on there. And then if people like a professional directory... Or something, right. and we'll just go from there. Let's see. I'm on the thing inside GoDaddy where I use their uh, C panel and uh, UFO Association organization. Let me see if there's a page on Facebook. It says there is. It says it's a community service. Now here's T.J. Morris. Alien Command Organization has a picture of J. Allen. No, uh, Stanton Friedman links. All right, I just got research. It says, uh, Oh, they gave us one. Okay, Facebook.com forward slash UFO Association Organization, all one word. So that's where we'll start, and I'll put uh, Jan Aldrich and Project uh Seven on Tuesday. And Jan Aldrich, and we're going to be uh, doing oral reports, Jan Aldrich. Now, you want to come back next, Uh, Jan Aldrich, Project 1947 and uh, UFO Association organization on Tuesdays on T.J. Morris, E.T. Radio, and that is 4 to 6 Eastern, folks. Okay, and I'm going to put it on here, HTTP. Uh, I'm putting it on here right now, blogtalkradio.com forward slash TJ Morris ET Radio. Now, it should pull it up. Uh, I'm trying to make my life easier because I used to do this for years, and I have all kind of pages on Facebook. But let's see, tag friends. Let me tag Jan. So you can find it Jan Aldrich Now Jan We'll put whatever you want I'll put Janet Teresa J. Morris Janet Lessen Coach Janet Ken Johnston Is there anybody Ed comerack? Let's see Ken Johnston Is there anybody in particular You want to add?
0: Have you talked to Tom uh, Tawleen yet?
1: No uh, uh, I need to get you to email me names You want me to contact To be in our UFO Association. And uh, it's UFO Association organization now, is one word to make sure it's us from everybody else. Because I had UFOassociation.com originally and let it go, and now they want like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. People, if I don't pay the money, they want me to pay thousands to get my name back. So I did UFO uh, Association organization, and Facebook gave me that one. So we got that. it's got my a uh, pyramid or triangle UFO with radio waves coming out of it. It says UFO Association. Then on the bottom, I've got my picture in the Navy and then all my brands and then TGMRCT and then for entertainment, which we do here. And we'll pull it all together. Uh, the ACO Club, Alien Contact Organizers, Dr. Bruce Cornett, and Dr. jan I mean, not Dr. Gian Aldrich, uh, Project 1947. And he's, uh, I'm trying to get him to take Dr. Gian Maccabee's... Now, not Jan, Dr. Bruce Mackey's place He head step down, but he's doing more television now. You're not doing any television right now, right, this year, for right now, maybe later?
0: No, I haven't done any this year, no.
1: All right, well, uh, I'll put up the uh, the poster for uh, Bob Brown, because I told him I would on today's show But we'll uh, Next year maybe we can all meet At his uh, Laughlin UFO Megacon it's, He does it all week long Nothing on but UFO type stuff or future type stuff I, I haven't been to one So I don't know But I know he's come back But he used to do Laughlin Then he did International UFO uh, Congress And then he stepped down When his wife died I think And then uh, Or for some reason, and then, uh, don't quote me, folks, but I've got ACO, I've got the uh, ACO club, and the uh, press club for reporters, for artists, authors, independent journalists, and I'm with a, I'm a senior, I've retired from professional journalism, but SPJ, which is the Society of Professional Journalists, but... I'm going to be a ufologist since Jalen Heinek asked me to, but I didn't have the time to do it right. But I'm going to step up to the plate for 2020 with Jan. I've got Jan's two pictures here, and if he sends me any more, I'll put them up on uh, UFO Association, and then I'll put his link. But I'm just starting for 2020, so y'all give me some time. But I, I took a whole lot of money off of 35 websites. I'm combining them into one website called UFO Association Organization and then a Facebook to match. Then I'm going to promote anybody that's in the UFO business, like Jan. But there's a lot of people I don't know, folks, because they're not—they don't want to be public, or they're in like that sign, and I guess they're all over the world. But Jan's going to—I guess Jan, tell me which ones you think want to be public or known on Facebook or on our website, and we'll put them out there. But I guess we need a release, you know, permission. Something in writing. Right. So, folks, I don't know how hard or easy that's going to be, <laughs> to be honest. But that's up to them, because some people want you to find this stuff, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And and so we want those that don't that are open and open source, or if they want their links known, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we'll sure. keep working, like, like Tom's. <laughs> Tom's site. Is I Tom. mean, it's uh, it, it's so important, and most people don't know who he is or what he does.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, even, I, and I like the name Tom, but yeah, I'm gonna work with uh, and run stuff as a developer more so because I can do it from my home and I can punch the buttons with Google and GoDaddy because I'm a developer and they give me a deeper level which I don't understand yet. But it's like C++ and algorithms, and right now I'm using WordPress because it's easy. I'm even using a GoDaddy Quick because it's a little cheaper, and they want the UFO secret space done, and I've been working all of 2019 to get it going in Facebook. But we're going to start talking reality and separating science and science fiction and cosmology and consciousness And the cognitive processes we use in behavioral modification with ufology and alienology. And Jan Aldrich, in case you didn't know who he was. So, Jan, you're going to be the guy and uh, the contact, point of contact. And I'll just ask people if they know you. (laughs) Do you know Jan? But uh, stay in touch with me about, you know, where we're going to put different people. But I'll just list them, and then I guess we need to have a, what is a ufologist versus a reporter versus a researcher, a truth seeker, enthusiast, you know, because we do so many events, too. We market and promote for events, so we'll get it together for 2020, folks. We're getting organized. All right, we're off the air, Jan, so I will talk to you next Tuesday, okay?
0: Okay, good.
1: Uh, all right, and I'll look at your Facebook page, and you look at ours together, UFO association, organization, all one word. And then that's what we'll put links and stuff. We'll try to keep it, you know, folders and people and all that. Facebook, too, it's free, folks. Well, sort of. It still links back to our, our uh, website. All right, thank you. Talk at you next week. Same time, same station. <laughs> this is Jan Aldrich, Connecticut. Right, Jan? Right. Alright, Jan Aldridge, Connecticut His website's project 1947.com Isn't it? Or is it dot org? Dot com? Dot com Dot .com. com And I'm Teresa great. J. Marsh. Okay, and I'm Teresa J. Morris Dot com and together we're doing UFO or, or, shoot, UFO Association Organization Dot com So that's the new one they were starting for 2020, and then we'll put our links and then people we want to promote and stories and stuff like that. And we all pay for our own bandwidth, except I'm going to pay for this one uh, just to get started. All right, love and light. See you next Tuesday, Jan, same time, same station. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Talk. Call you next week. Okay. Here we go, folks. Good night. <laughs>